0: Hi, my name is Sarah, and you're listening to the Bloom As You Grow podcast. (laughs) I'm back, and you're back. Thank you so much for being here, and also thank you so much to everyone who listened to the first episode of the podcast and let me know that they listened to the first episode of the podcast. I can't even begin to say how thankful I am and just how overcome with gratitude I was reading through all the different messages and getting to know what resonated with people or even just seeing a screenshot of the people who listened to the podcast. It just made me so happy and I know there are beautiful people in my life like this is a new knowledge to me but to have these tangible experiences to look back on and be able to remind myself how loved I am how supported I am and how lucky I am is just so important to me and it means so much so thank you so much (laughs) On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about 10 lessons that I learned in 10 years. Um, I can hardly believe that we're wrapping up an entire decade. (laughs) I'm sure I'm not the only one either, and I've been thinking about it a lot recently because I am quite a sentimental person, and I think that this year has been really formative to me. Um, At the start of the decade, in 2010, I graduated high school and started my post-secondary degree. I completed an English degree. Throughout the decade, I also continued my post-secondary education, and I did a social service worker diploma before starting my very first nine to five because when I was in school, I worked part-time and I guess you can say that I worked full-time in the summers. I definitely picked up a lot more shifts and would work five days a week, maybe more sometimes. (laughs) But I think it's still quite a different experience to work while you're in school and to almost work to know that you're going to be going back to school in the fall than it is to be graduated and to start your first nine to five. I also moved out on my own for the first time, and I did that in tandem with moving to the completely opposite side of the country. (laughs) I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, So you can imagine, I've had so many different experiences that could inspire a lot of different lessons. And with that said, I really want to take a moment to say that this is only a very small fraction of the lessons I've learned. (laughs) I'm sure you know that, and I'm sure you could have guessed that on your own, but I think that... I've been really nervous recording this episode, and I've recorded this episode multiple times now because I just, I'm having a hard time capturing these 10 years into 10 lessons. And I almost scrapped the idea altogether, which I think would have been a disservice to Myself, because I know I can do it. I know this is something that I can speak on and I'm excited to talk about, but I think it'll be a lot easier if I have that preface to this. <laughs> so, on to the lessons. The first lesson I want to talk about today is communication is everything. I really wanted to touch on communication even briefly because I feel like at the start of the decade, I wasn't nearly as confident communicating what I wanted, what I needed, what my boundaries were, as I am now, and something that I learned was really helpful for me in that regard was simply allowing myself to want and to need without feeling that I was being too much or I was being needy. And I think it took me a long time to really give myself permission to want and to need. And something that I found was helpful in bringing confidence in communicating what I wanted and my what I needed once I was able to grant myself that permission <laughs> was really sitting with myself and imagining exactly what I deserved, imagining what I felt that looked like and grounding myself in that. Because I think that when you can describe what you're looking for, To somebody and really be confident in that is when the magic happens and when real growth can be seen, not just in romantic relationships either, in your platonic friendships as well. Um, So that was one thought that I had. The second one was inspired by a post I saw on Instagram by an account called at the Jessica door, D-O-R-E. She self-described as a licensed social worker using tarot cards to talk about mental health, bridging science and mysticism. And the post is on fantasizing about other people's feelings as an outdated tactic to feel safe and on coming back to your own feelings as a way to actually be safe. Um, It is an incredible post. It is so articulate and eloquent and I really urge you to read the post because <laughs> I'm only going to be paraphrasing it but she starts off by saying that she's not suggesting we should never trust something without physical evidence um, but she goes on to say that f- people like me, (laughs) can sometimes have this like trauma-informed maladaptive coping mechanism of anticipating other people's needs as a way of mitigating or at least bracing ourselves for the potential harm that can be done to us while also justifying bad behavior as a way to avoid the pain of it. And she urges us to learn that it's not our responsibility to decipher, anticipate, um, or manage other people's feelings, and that, you know, you can turn to yourself instead of saying things like, oh, um, they're probably feeling X kind of way. You can say, how am I feeling? And instead of justifying someone's bad behavior um, by doing the mental legwork of contextualizing it, So, like, saying things like, they've been really depressed lately or they're not great at setting boundaries, which means they can get drained easily. You can prioritize yourself by asking, well, how does their behavior make me feel? Do I feel safe? Do I feel cared for? Valued? And that turning inward may feel scary at first, Um, because fantasizing about other people's feeling helps us to avoid our own, but it's a good step in accessing personal power, which only works on things that are real and that you have a real influence over, which is your own experiences and your own feelings. And the reason why I am bringing this up in a lesson surrounding communication is sometimes I'll forget that I am somebody who lives in my own body my own experiences and my own feelings every single day and that I can ground myself in those feelings instead of trying to guess (laughs) what someone else is feeling and what their intentions are with me and trying to figure out why they're behaving the way they are, because in that way, I feel like I take care of myself better, but also I give myself opportunities to create safe spaces, to have honest conversations with people, and to understand how they're feeling and where they're at instead of just trying to assume and guess which brings so much clarity and transparency um, in my relationships and saves me a lot of anxiety. (laughs) So long-winded point being communicating and prioritizing that understanding of other people and their feelings and their experiences from them instead of just trying to imagine and extend that empathy which isn't inherently bad empathizing with other people isn't bad but doing so from a place where you're assuming how they're feeling and then empathizing instead of just asking them what's going on and what their intentions are and how they're feeling can be kind of dangerous and you'll only know for sure if you ask The second lesson I want to talk about today is jealousy isn't inherently bad. (laughs) The reason why I'm laughing is I feel like someone's going to disagree with me, and that's okay. And that's actually why I'm excited to bring this up. So I also wanted to take a moment to talk about this because... I was in a non-monogamous relationship for almost three years and I feel like people have this hesitancy towards open or non-monogamous relationships because jealousy exists. And I'm not trying to convert anyone but I think that it's really interesting to learn more about jealousy and to learn how it can be helpful to us Because jealousy doesn't just exist in relationships, it can exist in any part of our lives. So I believe that jealousy isn't inherently bad because jealousy is a feeling first. And jealousy doesn't always have to result in destructive or toxic behavior. I genuinely believe that we have space between feeling jealousy and the actions that we take or how that manifests to really just sit with ourselves and listen to it as a voice and really try to hear out what it's trying to say because jealousy is a complex and a layered emotion and usually it's a result of an insecurity or an unmet need so if we take that moment to sit with it even if it's uncomfortable Um, we can actually learn a lot. And I think that it can reduce the anxiety or shame that we have around it if we don't label it as a bad feeling right off the bat. So, for example, if you're feeling jealous of, like, a friend or a romantic partner because they're spending a lot of time with other people and you're not getting a lot of time... Instead of trying to suppress that feeling because you think it's wrong to be jealous of somebody for having other meaningful relationships, which yes, I think it is really important for our friends and our loved ones to have other important meaningful (laughs) relationships, you can prioritize yourself and think, well, what is this jealousy trying to tell me? Am I getting quality time with this person? Is this person making intentional space for me in their life? Like, you know, are the plans that are being made between the two of us ones that aren't last minute or, you know, they don't feel rushed? Um, And I think that if you're feeling that maybe that time isn't intentional or you're really not getting a lot of time at all with a person. Instead of lashing out and saying that, you know, your partners can't have friends or something, which I think people imagine what jealousy is and how jealousy can manifest solely, I think that jealousy can manifest in a much healthier way and it can be a moment where you can tell somebody you love hey, like, I'm feeling a little jealous lately because I don't feel like we're making intentional time with one another and I haven't really seen or heard from you much lately. And can you can you now see why that's not inherently bad? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that um, we only hurt ourselves when we try to um, avoid uncomfortable feelings and... We can really learn so much from a voice like the one that jealousy tries to communicate to us. So, the third lesson I want to talk about today is love languages. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can imagine a handful of people that are probably going to roll their eyes. Um, because they know me so well, and they're going to think to themselves, of course, of course Sarah's bringing up Love Languages. But you know what? I think it's important to talk about, because at the beginning of the decade, I don't believe I knew a thing about Love Languages. And now I'm somebody who can, you know, listen to Kehlani's most recent album, see that there's a song called Love Languages, get all excited because I knew, I knew that song was going to be my favorite off the album and can dance and sing along (laughs) because love languages are so important to me. And I think they're so beautiful because I think that there's so much value in being able to communicate your love to someone in a language they'll understand and vice versa because if you're not aware of somebody's love languages or someone's not aware of yours, you can be in a relationship with somebody who maybe can feel like they're doing so much work to show you that they love you, but if they're not communicating that in a way you understand, you're not going to feel loved and vice versa. So, I think that love languages are so easy to figure out, like there's even a test you can take that can help guide you in learning more about what your love languages are, Um, but they're just a great tool. And if you're not aware of the five love languages, they are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time and physical touch. And I think that a tweet that I read that really just encapsulates what I'm trying to say here is not understanding your partner's love languages will really have you out here buying expensive gifts for someone who really just wants the dishes clean. And I think that's it. I think that sometimes we feel that we are doing everything we can to show someone that we love them, but it's more important to be intentional in the way we do so, than it is to just try to do our best and assume (laughs) how the other person wants to be loved. And this is nothing but helpful to you in any relationship, in platonic relationships, in romantic relationships, in relationships you have with family members, anything. Honestly, <laughs> I'm a huge advocate for love languages and maybe I'll do maybe I'll do a whole podcast on love languages. I think that would be really fun and helpful. The fourth lesson I wanted to talk about is if something is for you, all you have to be is you to receive it. Oh, this is going to be hard. <laughs> I wanted to bring this up because for a good season of my life, I was somebody who strived to be the very best partner, the best friend, and the best person I could be. And I would go above and beyond to show the people that I loved that I loved them. And sometimes would get kind of insecure in my ability to love people and show them just how much I cared for them. And the insecurity I had around that really just had me doing just so much and so much more than what I needed to do because I was enough as I was, and I was inherently lovable, but I didn't always see that, and I would get really hard on myself if relationships didn't work out or friendships didn't work out, but now I'm in a season of my life where I'm really trying to remind myself that who I am right now is someone who is deserving of love and of opportunities and of good things, generally, and that I don't have to extend my limitations to get what I want and what I deserve out of life. Um, Because I think there's one, there's something to be said about um, relationships, romantic and platonic, Requiring work and hard work and attention but I think that it's another thing to put undue pressure on ourselves to be the perfect partner and the perfect friend and not to believe that who we are is inherently enough and inherently deserving of everything we have so I think that humanity is really important and acknowledging that things that don't work out aren't maybe always meant to work out and that being exactly who we are will grant us the right love and the right opportunities. So. The fifth lesson is you can hold space for conflicting feelings. Um, This is something my therapist really urges me to do. (laughs) Um, I remember I was talking to her, just, oh God is a woman and that woman is my therapist. (laughs) Let me just say that, okay? (laughs) And I remember there was this one time where I was talking to her about something and it was something that it was it was a situation where i was super understanding towards somebody and very loving towards them and she really tried to like give me space to be mad at them also and she was saying reach for anger sarah and i was sitting there and i'm like i don't want to be angry <laughs> And I think the reason behind that was I felt like, well, no, if I'm angry at this person or if I'm mad or, you know, if I'm sad, then that makes the love and the understanding I have towards this person ingenuine. And I struggle with that a lot. I struggle with holding space for feelings and having them conflict with each other sometimes But I think that's something that's been really helpful for me is understanding that you can hold multiple feelings in one container, and you can make space for multiple feelings. And sometimes those feelings will conflict, and that's okay. Um, But not allowing yourself to feel certain feelings because they conflict with your other feelings is a disservice to you, and it's a disservice to just how vast emotions are and how hard things can be in the process of our healing and our, in the ways that we process certain situations. So that's something really important I learned. The sixth lesson is you can always be a little kinder to yourself. I wanted to bring this up because I think that self-love is really hard. Um I don't believe that everyone can love themselves right away. It's it's a long process. But sometimes if we can't always reach for that self-love or if we don't have that self yet, love yet, we can instead decide to just be a little kinder to ourselves. Maybe notice when we have these narratives of ourselves where we're motivating ourselves through self-criticism instead of kindness. Um, For example, I can be really hard on myself when I make a mistake. (laughs) Like I can be very critical and something that I've noticed is more helpful is when I stop and I notice that's what I'm doing and I intentionally revert the narrative and extend myself some patience and some understanding, and say, hey, like, you made a mistake, and I'm sorry that you're feeling bad about that mistake that you've made, but it's okay, you're a human being, and you're capable of making mistakes, and it's okay to not do everything right all the time. (laughs) Um, But I think that you can be a little kinder to yourself in a lot of different ways, Um, just in the ways that you treat yourself, and you talk about yourself and I think that mindful self-compassion and taking moments to incorporate that kindness to yourself is really important and can help towards self-love and self-acceptance if that's what you're going for. The seventh lesson I learned surrounded the importance of platonic intimacy. I have always been somebody who's been good on my own. I don't really, I don't always um, put a lot of weight and importance in relationships over my friendships. That's not really ever something that, I I feel like I've done a lot of. Um, But I think that now that I'm getting older, I'm really starting to understand how important those friendships are and creating community and family and just intentional space for like intimate friendships. Because I've noticed that something I'm really trying to work towards is creating a chosen family and I have this vision of my future where I am somebody who has a partner and has kids but also has a community of people I love deeply who can also be with me and be there for me and so that my kids can see how important it is to have people that you love in many ways because I think that I was somebody yeah who really cherished my friendships but I wasn't always somebody who allowed myself to have really like intimate connections with people like really deep open vulnerable friendships maybe I would have them with a couple people at a time <laughs> but when those couple people were ones that I eventually like would grow out of I would get really disappointed and it would be like a big loss in my life so I think cultivating vulnerable friendships and people that you can be really close to and not having that be a closeness that needs to be romantic has just been so healing for me and so important to me. And it's something that I encourage everyone be intentional about and work towards because those friendships are really, really important, I think, and are really helpful. The eighth lesson is there's a hierarchy to self care. Oh my God. So self-care has become really profitable all of a sudden. (laughs) Maybe it always has, um, but I feel like especially lately I'm seeing advertisements targeted towards selling skincare as self-care or treating yourself and buying a bunch of things as self-care. And I feel closer to the start of the decade, I was somebody who like very stereotypically would buy bath bombs or try to just rest or treat myself to things as a form of self-care and then I'd think to myself well why aren't I feeling better now (laughs) like why isn't this working and I think that it really clicked for me um closer to the end of the decade that For me personally, there's a hierarchy to self-care and if I'm not fulfilling the very basic needs of like feeding myself and getting enough sleep, which is something I never do, by the way, (laughs) I'm I'm working on it. But if those needs aren't being met as self-care, no amount of fun stuff that I treat myself to is gonna help like it's gonna be a very band-aid solution so I think that creating a hierarchy and knowing what your most immediate and important needs are like feeding yourself um making sure you're getting enough sleep or even rest that you're just like resting your body and giving yourself space to not be productive and not doing anything are really important Um, but another thing I've also noticed is, as a part of my hierarchy, is not being available to other people all the time. Um, I think that giving myself space to say no and say, hey, you know, I don't think I can be the person that can be there for you right now, um, even though I do love you and care about you so much, or being somebody who just tells people right off the bat that I'm not a good texter because I don't feel like I should always have to be available to people in terms of texting them back right away um, has also become a hierarchy of self-care that has become a little higher on the scale than bath moms and (laughs) skin care. Um, But... Yeah, I think that really sitting with yourself and creating a hierarchy and a um, intentional almost plan of sorts or different levels of what you need to do for yourself um, as a form of self-care is just really helpful and important and can help in terms of taking care of yourself and making sure that your needs are being met. so The ninth lesson that I learned is gut feelings are guardian angels. I decided to communicate this lesson in that specific way because I am somebody who lives with anxiety as I've touched on. And I think that's something I didn't know about my anxiety for a very long time is that it can manifest in very physical ways and not the ones that are stereotypical to anxiety, like shortness of breath or like shakiness, but actual like digestive issues. <laughs> and there have been times where I have been. Had these like really intense gut issues. And I didn't realize at the time that that was my body trying to tell me that I was anxious or I was in a situation that was making me uncomfortable, which is wild to me because I think that having that awareness of my body and the awareness of how my anxiety can manifest is something that's become so important to me. And I also think that it's just so unimaginable that something that I wrote off for so long is just being poor health choices, which I mean, I think some of my digestive (laughs) issues can be talked up to poor decisions in my diet, because that's something I'm working on. Um, But I think that just allowing yourself to make space to really sit with yourself in a moment and hear out what your body's trying to tell you and how you're feeling in a situation can be really important and really helpful in terms of minimizing anxiety (laughs) and discomfort. And I think that's something that has really helped me and has been really important for me to recognize. The 10th and final lesson will also be our affirmation for the episode, and that is you do not have to be good. This line is from a poem that means the world to me by Mary Oliver called Wild Geese. And when I read it, it winded me. It knocked me right out. And that's just the first line of the poem. So I'm gonna read the entire poem and then use the line as an affirmation. But before I do that, I'm gonna explain the lesson and why I feel like it epitomizes a lesson for me. I think that I am somebody who can be very hard on myself because I always want to be good. I always want to extend kindness to others, be a light to others, and just generally, I can be very overwhelmed with wanting to always say the right things and be mindful of other people's feelings and experiences, and that is, pedestal I've put myself on, the pedestal of goodness, has been a lot. <laughs> it's been a big expectation. And I think that just reminding myself that I do not always have to be good and that I deserve to be granted humanity, both by myself and by others, is just been something that has reduced my anxiety by a lot (laughs) and I think has been really important for me to recognize and something that has been really beautiful to notice and be aware of in my path to self-care and self-acceptance and self-love. So I am going to read the poem because I must (laughs) it is it is just so beautiful and I urge everyone to read more of Mary Oliver's work as well because she just inspires so much awe to the world around us and I think that her work is so grounding and beautiful but today we will just be reading one poem, and that poem is Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours and i will tell you mine meanwhile the world goes on meanwhile the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes over the prairies and the deep trees the mountains and the rivers meanwhile the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again whoever you are no matter how lonely The world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting. Over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Isn't that poem so beautiful? (laughs) Before I bought Devotions, which is a work of hers that's a selection of different poems that range through a bunch of different works of hers. I believe they're ones that she hand-picked herself, actually. I would look for her work at every single bookstore that I went to, independent or chapters, just whenever I was in a bookstore, and I would pick it up look for wild geese, read wild geese, and then put it back. (laughs) And I think it's still going to be something that I do regardless of me owning one of her works, but it's just such a beautiful poem that says so much and makes me feel so much. So we're going to be using it as the affirmation for the episode again, this affirmation is something that you can think to yourself, or you can say to yourself, look into the mirror and say to yourself, or you can just hear me recite this line two different times and do absolutely nothing with it. <laughs> I'm not your mother. So here, here we go. You do not have to be good. One more time. You do not have to be good. And that's all for today. Again, thank you so much for being here. I hope you're healing well. You can find us on Instagram at bloom as you grow, or you can send me an email at bloomasyougrow at gmail.com if you have any feedback suggestions or just you want me to be accountable to something if I say something that doesn't sit well with you and you want me to take a moment to say that I've heard you and that I've learned and and then I think that's something that I would be really happy to hear and have an opportunity to learn. So yeah, that's it. That's all I've got. Okay. Bye.